It's the Score North Twin Show. Four key questions for you guys. Four key questions today. Representing each base. Maybe we'll maybe we'll go around the base around the bases on the Score North Twin Show. Touch a ball, Phil Mackey. That's what this podcast was called was in its say. initial iteration before we like when yep. it was fifteen hundred ESPN. It was the Touch 'Em All podcast. We could, you know, I mean, we could go back to that brand. I feel like we're so far down the line now with the Score North yeah. Twin Show branding, though, and probably caused Declan some problems. If I, we I think no, but I think with like SEO purposes, if you Google Touch 'Em All podcast, this one will still show up. Okay, we could throw that in the description too. You know, like mm-hmm. the podcast formerly known as Touch 'Em All with Mackie and Wetmore back in the day, like five years ago. But we appreciate you guys. Finding us again here on the Score North Twin Show, wherever you are consuming, whether it's Apple or Spotify, if you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review on those platforms, it helps spread the word about this Twins fan community. And then the Score North YouTube channel, if you could click the like button and the subscribe button. We've got four key questions here and then an immaculate grid. And I think we have a random twin of the week here on the show. Right, Judd? Did you... Ready to go. Oh, my God. Oh, I yeah. I, lo- I love be- being the guy... That gives the clues. It's so much fun to like look up, like decide on a player, and then start to be be like, what's going to be a tough, like a fair but tough clue. Oh, I love it. It is fun. It is a lot of fun. It's ready. It's all prepared. So this this will actually be, I think, the first time we've done random twin of the week on the new, or did we do it last week on the corner twin show? Okay, but it's now a staple every week on Mm -hmm. this podcast. So question number one for you here. These are sort of like, you know, heading into the off season questions that. Uh, that we should dive into before the before before free agency opens up and the winter meetings and all that stuff. So, question number one: How do you guys feel about the Red Sox trying to poach Derek Falvey and Thad Levine? So apparently they were turned down for like the second time by Derek Falvey for an interview. But according to our Darren Doogie Wilson, Thad Levine is in Boston this week today, interviewing for the head of their baseball operations position. What do you think of this? Well, I think it's good, and and I I think for Thad it's great. Now I feel like Thad is on the same track as um, uh, former Vikings executive and Rick Spielman right hand man George Payton was, which is like Thad's been up for jobs or at least been discussed right for the Mets job and for as Doug said on the scoop, uh, evidently the Tigers job, the Phillies job. So I feel like at some point he's going to land a job yeah. if he wants it. Um, but I mean, I think this is a good fit potentially, and and you have to wonder because you know when this all started with Derek and Thad, it was the cute Falvine thing, right? I was like, they're both making decisions, and if you guys recall initially, because Thad was uh, far better at the mic initially than Derek was, like Thad would do a lot of the talking, and he mm-hmm. was a quipster, and he he's great at that. Uh, but we have not seen that. I feel uh, it started, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right around the time of that Josh Donaldson signing that Derek Falvey took way more control and, and he should, he's the front man. Um, so I guess my question is if Thad doesn't leave now, if assuming he is offered this job, when's he going to? Yeah. Uh, because the, the Falvey thing, in my opinion, is now sort of dead. Like this is Derek's show and Thad I'm sure helps, but he is a definite, it feels like he's become a definite behind the scenes guy. So in short, if he's offered this job and doesn't leave, my question is, is he ever going to leave? And if he wants an opportunity and a challenge, the Red Sox provide both of those things potentially. So 
I think it's good. And I think that that does need to get to a point where if he's going to be a front man, it needs to happen fairly soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's two things. It's number one, other organizations and other, I guess, well-known organizations want your talent. Um, and Boston, you know, who has won a ton of World Series in the last 20 years, um, looks at the Twins front office and sees something good there. Um, so as much as we ridicule and rip, maybe are more critical, I should say, of the front office and some of their moves, I mean, they, they are well-respected guys that have the respect of other teams. If this was some other, like if Oakland, wanted Thad Levine or something, or like I saw Trevor may absolutely obliterate their owner yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw that yeah, clip going around who announced his retirement. <laughs> oh my God. It was awesome. Um, but at the same time, I, I, from the twins perspective, let's say they lose Thad Levine who replaces him. And also is that a good thing too, to get maybe another outside voice? I, I think the twins could promote from within for sure. Cause they're, they love to do that, but it would an outside voice if they were to lose Thad Levine, join this organization that would provide them also a unique situation where it's someone that hasn't been around the twins, hasn't been around Derek, hasn't been around Rocco that could maybe have some new influences and ideas that could also help this organization long-term too. Yeah. Like on the Thad front, Thad is, Thad is brilliant. Thad is a wonderful uh, communicator and a guy that has all this experience with the Texas front office from when they were a world series team, you know, 10 or 12 years ago and then helping it's been, it's been a rocky ride here for a couple of years, but taking a 100 loss team with the twins and division titles and back to the playoffs. And finally, and I mean, I think it's not quite like, you know, Theo uh, ending the Cubs and the Red Sox, 86 and 108 year world series droughts, but you know, ending the 0 and 18 playoff streak, or at least being a figurehead is a nice notch on your, your resume. And the fact that the Boston Red Sox, that's a big job, man. Like there's the Yankees job, but then that Red Sox job is probably in terms of just like profile and stature pressure, everything. The fact that they are interested in what the twins are doing is a really interesting sign. But yeah, I could see Thad going. I mean, Thad's great in a room, man. Like he's one of the most likable guys. People gravitate toward him. He's knowledgeable. He uh, he's funny. I could see him going into a room and really wowing people. So it'll be interesting. To Declan's point too, you know, the Red Sox just they just parted ways with Kyle Bloom. There's a couple other interesting executives. Kim Ng, who was the first, I believe, the first woman to ever head up a baseball operations department, and the Marlins got back to the playoffs. They're restructuring some things, and so so she decided that I I don't want to renew here, and they are going in a different direction. But like Kime Bloom in particular, let's say let's say that uh, Thad Levine were to go run the Red Sox for a period of time, I'm assuming the Twins would fill that spot. Now they could promote internally. They might have some issues in terms of like you know, and we'll get to the payroll question here next. But in terms of what they can do financially now that they don't have a Bally's TV deal. But would would you bring in a guy like Kaim Bloom for a year or two? He was 15 years behind the scenes as one of the top guys running the Tampa Bay Rays, couple a couple notches under Andrew Friedman, and then he was the second guy in line um, from like 2016 through when he went to the Red Sox. And he wrote a book. This is from uh, Tom Verducci, by the way. He wrote a book called The Rays Way Player Development Handbook in 2008 during his tenure with the Rays, and he's known as a major driver for the Rays starting pitching development behind the scenes. The Twins have poached from from the Rays in the past. So I just wonder, like like Declan said, Thad's been amazing for this organization 
in terms of where they are right now, but are there opportunities to even bring in other voices that could make sense to take it to the next level? So something to keep an eye on here in the next couple weeks. I think, I think part of this though is, uh, and it's become apparent with, with how much more Falvey has become the public face of his job. I think that they would probably promote from within. Cause I don't think that they would, um, Thad sort of came with Derek and it felt very much at, at the start, like a package deal. Mm-hmm. But Derek was young and he's progressed. So I'm guessing that I'm guessing they would promote from within. And my question is, would they give that person the GM title or like in a title below that? It just it feels like Falvey in the mind of the organization probably has more of a grip on the job now. Um, and so if you bring in a guy like Bloom, that's like a oh, damn near an equal or it would feel it would like be, that. Yeah. I don't know that they would, I don't think that they would feel that that would necessarily uh, jive with what they would want. I So I could see them promoting. And my question is, would they promote and make that person GM or like just yeah. assistant to Derek Falvey? But I also is like, like Bloom is at some point going to get another GM or, or CBO job somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This would be like, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe that's more of like a consulting thing where, Hey, if you, if no, you, you need a year to sort of chill, Bloom might get the, uh, Marlon's job is that a thing right now is he in the mix? no but they're but I guess what they told Kim was they're looking to bring in and it's the Marlon so who knows yeah but yeah. they were looking to bring in somebody over her to head up baseball operations like a pobo and she's like hard pass thank you yeah um and and she'll get a job but I I just think I'd be surprised if Bloom took an assistant job to a guy like Derek the only place I could yeah. see him taking an assistant job is if is if uh the dodgers with friedman had something open up if those two indeed are good friends yeah because they yeah because he worked under friedman for a long time uh okay question number two here key question number two Mm -hmm. how much payroll space do you think the twins will have to play with so let me lay this out yeah their bally sports north partnership is is it officially over or is it just up in the contract's done Okay. No, the con- I mean the contract's done. So they, and they've pu- Bally's has it's pulled the, the plug on some of the other RSN. So it's like they don't know what their TV revenue situation is going to be starting in 2024. We're assuming That's- that the Twins are going to leave, but you're but but you're right. Like it's probably not officially done. I don't think that they've informed each other of a divorce yet. It's a 55 million dollar yeah. revenue chunk annually, mm-hmm. and. I think the Twins' operating revenue is like 250 or 280 million or something like that. So it's like it's a huge chunk of there's tickets, there's there's some money that comes in from the league and the like the national TV deals, but that local TV revenue is a big chunk. So the Twins' opening day payroll last year was a franchise record high by a lot. It was 154 million dollars. Their 26 man roster, so 154 million. They're currently on the hook for $92 million in contracts. That includes the two $10 million options for Kepler and Polanco. It doesn't include the pre-arb players, the arbitration players. If you, if you, According to uh, Spotrack.com, the Twins, if you start to estimate like the arbitration figures and then you start to fill in with the pre-arb guys, they're, they're tied up for about $111 million. So that's... You know, 153 minus 100, so it's $42 million less as we sit here right now than their opening day payroll of last year. Is there any path short of the poll ads taking a loss, let's say, willingly, like so few owners in baseball elect to do? 
Is there any way they can get back to $150 million in payroll? I don't know that there is because I don't think th- this ownership group is going to say, you know what? Let's take a $40 million bath, you know, for, for you the know sake what? of winning a World Series. So I, I got to dig more on what the potential TV scenarios are. Like, we don't know because they're going to be, I, I mean, I think what they're going to try to do is bring it in-house and produce games, which, by the way, you do have sales then. So, like, we're what's going to disappear is the convenience of being handed a check. And basically that's yeah, what you Cause do. you have to, you have to build up all those new advertisers right. and everything. But like, I got to find out what that, that means because long-term this actually might pay off more long-term. Um, I know that there's a, a good chance that they're going to sell and this does not get you TV type cash back, but I know that there's a, a very good chance that they're going to start next season with an advertising patch, which does bring in a little bit more. But what I don't know, and where this is a very difficult question to answer until it starts to become clear, is what will the television um, slash, more importantly, streaming revenues be at the end of the day when they organize this? And, yeah. and what will those costs be? So for right now, I would not definitely say it's, it's going to you know crash down because it's not like they're not going to have some sort of revenue stream from uh, television and streaming rights. But I think the uncertainty now does, I, I think that's probably the fair word, uncertainty. There's a ton of yeah. uncertainty now about what exactly that's going to mean, both in 2024 and long term. Yeah, and it it impacts Sonny Gray, for instance. Sonny Gray, 100%. the qualifying offer is $20 million. You're going to do that. But the thing is, like, if, if he says yes to that qualifying offer, which I don't think he will, because he can probably get a two or three year deal for $20 million a year. Yes. But no matter what, like Sonny Gray would be probably a $20 million chunk that you need to account for that you aren't currently. And then does that affect what you would do with Kepler and Polanco? I think you're going to, as we talked about yesterday, I think you're going to exercise the options, but would you try to trade one or both because you got to get your payroll down. And, and this is where like of all the criticisms I have had over the years about the twins when they're, when they're losing a bunch of games, you know, in the early days of target field or the last few years, it's always driven me nuts when people talk about the cheap poll ads because I don't think that's ever been like a driving factor for why the twins should be criticized. Baseball teams operate within their revenue confines. And it's not like the NFL and the NBA where the sport and the financials are built so that the owners basically can't lose money. There might've been some years where the Timberwolves were only putting, you know, 10,000 people in seats, but like the NFL, there's a salary cap that prevents owners from losing money. They just rake in like a quarter of a billion dollars. Now, if you opened up the NFL and said, hey, it's local TV contracts, not national TV contracts. You're not just splitting the same pie so that Green Bay gets the same check nationally as the New York Giants, right? If you opened it all up, do you really think the Green Bay Packers would be able to afford the same quarterback for $50 million that the New York Giants could pay $150 million to? So the twins have operated largely within the confines of their revenue situation, which is, you know, they're like, they're a mid market. They've always had a pretty low cable subscriber ratio compared to other teams. I I reported on that like 10 years ago. So I've never had a huge problem. Like if you tell me, Hey, the twins are going to be like 17th in payroll. I would say that sounds about right. You got to be smarter. You got to be efficient. You got to find creative ways like the Rays do like the Indians did for a long time like the Diamondbacks, right? So, you know, 
they're probably going to have to spend less money on their opening day payroll than they did last year. Go be creative. That's what I'd say. Yeah, they they just we're we're probably to Judd's point not realizing what the next path could be, whether that's, you know, on a new type of thing that they're producing in a house, whether that's a deal with a streaming service, like there's there's a lot of can of worms that to figure out, but I think you can probably I, I would assume I would assume that payroll's probably somewhere between 110 and 120 million. Yeah. Right? Like I, I think that's probably and if it's above that, I mean even great, but they're probably going to have a lower payroll until they figure out this long-term solution or until we have more information too on what that TV deal looks yeah. like. So that way, and they're currently at 111, not counting Sonny Gray, not counting like Michael A. Taylor, Emilio Pagan, these other free agents. So if Declan's right and they have like another maybe $10 million to spend, that's not going to get you much unless you trade away a Kepler, trade away a Jorge Polanco. Right. So it probably means you're probably not spending $4 million on Pagan when you can just elevate Varland, right, to that role. We'll see what happens. Okay, question number three here. Derek Falvey sort of dismissed the Twins' strikeout problem at his postseason press conference, kind of scoffed at it, right? Yep. Um, are people overreacting to the Twins setting the Major League strikeout record for a team? So I think this is a very interesting conversation to have because – what Falvey said was, I, I believe he said there was no correlation between strikeouts and teams that were winning playoff games, okay? But that being said, and and I understand that the data backs him up, but you know what? When I watched the Astros at bats and the Twins at bats, there were certain differences. So I, this is going to sound crazy, but I, I actually think this conversation delves into the world of individual at bats. So like when, when you just take the grand picture, it's like, okay, it can be proven that strikeouts don't kill you. But when you take individual games and more importantly, individual at bats and situations, yeah, I think that's where, so I would, I felt like, and I did not see it. I read uh, Falvey's quotes. I felt like he was a little bit flippant with his dismissal. I get what he is saying, but you know, do I need to watch just as just as an, an example, Joey Gallo, do I need to watch his at-bats again? No, I don't. Never again. Am I saying that strikeouts are going to kill you and they're the worst thing in the world? No. They're part of today's game. I don't really enjoy them, but what the hell? So um, I think this is more of a, I think this is more of a discussion than like a yes or no. Like Derek Falvey's wrong or, oh, no, he's right. Like with so many things in sports, I think this falls into a gray area. But all I know is when I watched Houston's at-bats, I had far more appreciation for many of their at-bats at times mm -hmm. than I did the Twins. And so in the regular season, does it absolutely kill you? No. Can it make a difference in the playoffs towards approach? Yes, it can. But it's, but it's also something that's a little more between the margins. And so people like to just have a yes or no. And I think, it's, I think it goes deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, I would just put it this way. There's a there's a point where if you're leading the league in automatic outs, which is what a strikeout is from a process perspective, that can't be a good thing. Like like you'd rather if you phrase the question differently, hey, would you rather your team strike out less and put the ball in play more? I would think Falvey and any other general manager would say, "Yes, that would be ideal." So, for instance, last year the Houston Astros scored about a half run more per game in the race. And the Twins, by the way, at the end of the year, were like the ninth or 10th highest scoring offense runs per game. So the Twins still scored runs despite the strikeouts. 
the Astros and other teams, but I'll stick on the Astros for a second. They had about a half run more per game in in average runs per game, and twelve hundred. Uh, 450 fewer strikeouts, or 400, call it 400. So an average of three times a game, the Astros were turning a strikeout into a batted ball of some kind. And maybe one of those batted balls goes through for a hit, a double, a home run, whatever it is. Like, that's how you get, I'm oversimplifying it here, but if you can take two or 300 of those strikeouts and convert them to batted balls, good things are going to happen for you. And the same principle applies in the playoffs. I don't know what he's getting at exactly there. I think like to suggest that striking out more in the playoffs is not a hindrance, I think is incorrect. Now, if you can prove that, hey, we're striking out more, but as part of our process, we're also getting more extra base hits. We're getting, you know, whatever, like we're hitting more home runs, more doubles. Okay. Like that's the trade-off. But yeah, it's not like, it's not a good thing that they're striking out more than every other team in baseball. And Joey Gallo being gone is going to help bring that number down. That's the good thing. Yeah. I would say it's, it's trimming your fat of the strikeout problem. So yeah, Joey Gallo is an issue there. Can you find other at bats where you're not like, can the twins cut down their strikeout rate? I'm just literally throwing out a number here. Can they cut it down by like five or 10% from what it was? And how much of that difference would that put them compared to the rest of the teams that struck out last year? Like, can you shave off, 10% 10% of your strikeouts into batted balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the Braves and the, so here's like the teams that struck out the fewest. There's a few examples of just like rolled up wet newspapers. The guardians had the fewest strikeouts. They also couldn't hit their way out of a wet paper bag. Right. So the Washington nationals had the second fewest strikeouts, the Astros, the diamondbacks and the Braves and the Marlins and the blue Jays are next on this list. Those are all playoff teams. Those are all teams that, largely except for the Marlins uh, scored a bunch of runs. So the twins are, I mean, but the twins were a top 10 run scoring offense. So it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a dire problem. Uh, Question number four, and then we'll get to the games here. What should the new rallying cry for this show be? Jax. When we we relaunched, it was, we just want the twins to win a playoff game for the first time in 20 years. Check series check. Now we need, (laughs) we need a new goal here. We need a new rallying cry for the show. I mean, we want a playoff run. We we want we want. I know it's not as like sexy as just win a play or black and white as win a playoff game. I think but. it needs to be more defined. You know? I think it's like, an American League championship. I think it's a. I think it's a berth in the World Series. I don't know how you phrase that to make it catchy, but I think that's the next step. A trip to the World Series, a pennant, a pennant. Do yeah. people know what a pennant even means? That's anymore? my problem. Is because yeah. it used to be uh, before uh, they went to divisions in 1969. If you just you know. Through 1968, if you won the American League, you won the American League pennant, and then, yes, mm-hmm. kids, the World Series started right away. Yeah. Um, well, what if it's like, we just want the Twins to avoid strikeouts? You know, maybe that's the new yeah. that's <laughs> I think, but, I mean, yeah. deep playoff run is what we want, but it's that's not definable. It's like, mm-hmm. right. what is a deep run? Is it get to the ALCS? Is it get to the World? So we almost need to pick a finish line there's probably some people screaming at their speakers and screaming at their computers saying, guys, championship. We want championships around here. Is it fair to say, hey, 1991, man. It's been 32, soon to be 33 years. I'd have no problem with that. Time to win another championship. I I guess I was trying to think in terms of the next benchmark because the bar had been so damn low previously. 
Like the Vikings, we obviously say championship. The Twins, we were literally saying win a playoff game. So I, I guess I wasn't thinking in terms of can we take, you know, they finally won a playoff game and a playoff series to an actual championship. But, yeah, that'd be fair. Declan doesn't doesn't look well, comfortable. Might be fair. I, I mean, we no, are I just, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable by it. I just I don't have an answer. Um, but we are asking that of the Vikings. So, yes, yeah, so people are screaming at their speakers. They, uh, mm-hmm. They're not wrong. It's a good point. Dude, they they went, you know, they won a game in the LDS. That's that's like they've checked the early boxes now. Yeah, right. What's yeah. if if we Go were to say it. if we were to say get back to the World Series, that's not very powerful. You know what it could we be? want the Twins to win a World Series, right? We want the we want the Commissioner's Trophy. That big that's hunk of metal as <laughs> Rob Manfred <laughs> called it. Yeah, that big hunk of metal. That big, you guys are playing for a big hunk. Bring the big hunk of metal to Target Field. <laughs> That's a good one. I think, you know, on, on Purple Daily, where where the win a Super Bowl before we die kind of came in was like people are wondering, like, wow, you guys are kind of hard on a team that went to the playoffs last year. This is like three, four years ago. So why are you guys so hard on the Vikings? Well, because we hold them to the, the only thing they haven't done is win a, win a Super Bowl. So... Like everything we talk about is is through the prism of how can they become a Super Bowl winner, and that's I think that's what we have yeah. to do because for a while the conversations here, especially with Declan and me, were we just want to win a game, just just hey, just get Pablo Lopez into game one and you'll be fine. Just get Sonny Gray into game one. I think in terms of like personnel decisions and and the trade ideas and stuff, it has to be geared toward winning a championship. So I would vote sure. the new the new goal of this show, and the new rallying cry is. Hey, we've checked all those other boxes. The win a playoff game, all that crap is behind us now. Now it's time to do what they did in 1987 and 1991. It's time to win a World Series. Time to take a championship home to this market for the first time in over three decades. I yeah, I think it's incredible. The more I think about it, yes, that's incredibly fair. Why not? We Why just not want a World for... Series. We want a World Series parade before we die. We want another. Yeah. We want another World. We series want another World Series. World Series. Parade. There it is. We want another World Series parade before we die. Dude, I'm right Convertibles rolling down 94. I'm the Homer Hankey's selling oh, I'm, for I'm, three times face value. I'm going to be belligerent if that happens. <laughs> we just want another World Series parade before we die. There we go. I love it, man. That. Hey, before we get to a couple fun games here to wrap this episode, let's talk about our friends at Ugly Deck who jumped on board to help power the score our twin show during these October weeks, Judd. Uh, yes. And look at that deck right there. There's something wrong with it, but that deck looks beautiful. Why are those people dancing? Because you know what they did? They went to uglydeck.com and they got on board with the reserve my deck package. Now special for the DIYer who wants to build a deck in the spring. And most importantly, save huge. Look at that deck right there. Now look at the champagne spring. Uh, th- this is only for a, limited number of customers who reserve their deck package now uglydeck.com offering up to one thousand dollars off a full deck package plus locked in 2023 pricing uglydeck.com will then deliver your deck package to your driveway by may 1st of next year and you'll be the smartest DIYer on your block why because you're going to save as much as ten thousand dollars ten grand on your deck build imagine that and with Ugly Deck, you get free plans, a free coach, access to their online deck build academy, and they will install your footings and ledger. You do the rest. You save huge. So go to uglydeck.com today 
click on the reserve my deck package now button and have yourself a beautiful deck next spring and again thank you to the folks at uglydeck.com for their help in sponsoring the twin show and our friends too at hire a pro so hire a pro is different than traditional roofers you know so if you had hail damage during the summer months you can actually earn a profit on a hail claim so roofers do this all the time when they ask for your insurance check they just know what materials to order hire a crew how to negotiate with insurance etc hire a pro takes care of this process for you let them sit down with you on your approved claim and they'll knock it out of the park for you. If insurance has approved your roof replacement, give Hire a Pro a call at 651-402-3400. That's 651-402-3400. Or visit them online at hireA.pro. That's hireA.pro. And let them help you earn a profit on a hail claim. Let's do the random twin of the week here first on the Scorner mm-hmm. Twin Show. So, Judd, you'll have the clues this week. It's going to be Declan versus myself. The history of Random Twin of the Week here, we pulled it from the Random Minnesota Athlete of the Week. So I have seven wins. Declan has four. Judd has two. The last five or so Random Twins have been Ryan Presley, Gary Gaetti, Henry Blanco, Brent Gates, and Steve Lombardozzi. Judd's going to throw out clues. We get up to three strikes each. If we hit three strikes, we're out. The other person wins automatically. Here we go. All right. No cheating. No cheating. Here we go. This former twin was raised in Oklahoma. He attended. Is it Nick Blackburn? Is that an official guess? Mm hmm. No. That would have been epic. All right. So Phil has one guess. You get three. So you have two more. Declan with all three of his timeouts. This former twin attended Eisenhower High School in Lawton, Oklahoma, and was actually an All-State player at tight end in football. Wow. Okay, never mind. I don't think it was this guy. I uh, I did have a guess. But But you're not going to make it. Okay. He was so good in football that the University of Oklahoma came calling and offered him a scholarship, scholarship to play college football. Obviously... That did not happen because this former twin, he loved baseball. He was a seventh-round draft pick and selected as a third baseman. Interesting. Okay. So he didn't, he not, that's out of high school, right? Yes. Correct. Hmm. Seventh-round pick by the Twins? No, not by the Twins. He was a seventh-round pick in Major League Baseball. I'm not going to give you the team because that would make it really obvious and ruin some of my great clues. That's fine. Okay, moving on. He started his big league career wearing the number 10, but eventually switched to a number for which he would become known. I will have another clue on that coming up. But not yet. Baseball reference lists him as a third baseman, right fielder, and first baseman. Although, if you examine his resume on baseball reference, he played more positions than that. But you know at the top where they list positions? Yeah. Predominant positions, I guess. Third baseman, right fielder, and first baseman. 
He finished his big league career, despite being much ballyhooed, with a war of 0.8. Wow. That eliminates some guesses. So that was a disappointment for what had been expected from this young man when he came out of Oklahoma to play big league baseball. And he had a, so he, he had a career war of he's a replacement level player with a known number. In 1997, while not with the Minnesota Twins LLC, he hit a career-high 24 home runs. Said 27. 1997, 24. 24. He ended up playing seven big league seasons and had 86 home runs total. So 24 of his 86 home runs came in 97. So he's a... David McCarty. David McCarty was a first-round draft pick. Okay. And he was drafted by the Twins from Stanford. So you are now down to... I just know he had like all three. Tom Kelly hated him. Hated McCarty. David McCarty, not okay. the player we're talking about. I don't know how Tom felt about this player. Who, when he did join the Twins, signed as a free agent. Now i got to be careful. Yep. All right, I'm going to give you a clue that might tip either one of you off completely. I would have had no idea. Um, it just depends on your preferences in music. This former twin, while not with the twins, just to be clear, was mentioned in the Yo La Tango song Moby Octopad, which came out in 1997 on the album I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One. So he was mentioned in a song by Yo La Tango, a well-known band, on a song called Moby Octopad, which came out in 1997 as part of the album I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. God, I love this game. This is fun. Um, to backtrack to, to my comment that uh, TK couldn't stand David McCarty, this former twin played for the twins in Tom Kelly's last season as manager. He played only 64 games as a twin before departing, but he left his mark on the team. This former twin, 64 games, left his mark on the oh, team. This is my first conscious twin season. Wow, dude. Such a fun season, man. Yeah, the mark on the team is very important. Let that rattle around in your head for a while. Left his mark on the team. (laughs) Uh, No, it's not that guy. Because there's no way that guy hit 24 bombs in a season. 
Next clue. Yeah. The Twins traded him along with another guy Kelly couldn't stand, Todd Walker, to Colorado for Todd Sears and Cash in July of 2000. Wait, what? What? The Twins traded this player after signing him, 2000. Okay. So then he came back after this. Along with Todd Walker to Colorado for Todd Sears and Cash in July of 2000. So he played 64 games and then got no. traded. No, then no, your no, no. clues are wrong here. The clues what? are wrong. You said, you he, said played he played in Tom Kelly's last season. That would be 2001. But you're saying the player's last season, Tom Kelly was manager? Yeah. You said he played in Tom Kelly's last season. last season. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nope. I'm sorry. 2000. So he played. See, that, I, I was thinking this was a 1999 twin because that's one of the most obscure teams. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. My so bad. just to My be bad. clear, My sorry. Bad. Okay. So, yep, so when was that trade? So uh, July of 2000. So that this guy, it, it was Kelly's penultimate. I, I was thinking last. My bad. So wow. Kelly's Kelly's wow. penultimate season, 2000. Oh, man. It's a random-ass team. It's a random-ass Twins team. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we probably need more clues. Okay. This might give it away. I think this will. So be, be prepared to fire away. This is my era, man. Like, I feel like... I think you're going to get this after this one. One of you is for sure. Remember I said he started in the big leagues wearing n- number 10, but he became known for another number? He was the last twin to wear number 42. <laughs> oh, man. So um, he wore 42. So in 2000, the Jackie Robinson retirement, I think, happened in the late oh, 90s, if yeah, I'm not right. mistaken. Right. This guy was on the Twins and wore number 42. Okay. Why don't I remember this? God. His first five seasons were spent with the New York Mets. Much ballyhooed prospect from the Mets. Oh, God. Didn't he, like, crash into a wall one time and they outlined him? That's where he left his mark on the team. Oh, God. Um, Butch Husky? Butch Husky, let's go! Let's go! Butch Butch Husky. Husky. Yeah, 2000. Sorry, for some reason, I had a brain fart and was thinking TK was He did have one really good year with the Mets. Yeah, Butch Husky, dude. Wow. So Declan Butchowski doesn't doesn't ring a bell in two thousand. If you would have told me he's a hockey player, I still would have believed you. I, I have no really? idea who the hell that is. Oh, wow! I'm just giving myself a point here on the spreadsheet. Butch Husky, Number wow! 42. Butch Husky, let's go. My last clue is he also played for the Mariners and the Red Sox. Yeah, I, that wouldn't have done anything for me. The Mets, the Mets clue. And the 42, because I remember was, like it being an obscure he was a, player. He was a big-time prospect. I, I think he, he was the Mets uh, minor league player of the year, like three consecutive years. God darn it. All right, there it is. Boy, Butch Husky. Wow. Butch Husky. So that's the eighth career win for me in random twin of the week. Declan with four, Jub with two. Let's do an immaculate grade here. We're on a roll here. You guys good for like 10 more minutes, five, 10 more minutes? Yeah. Eight let's minutes? Go. Seven let's go. minutes? Let's, do, let's okay. do the grid. Okay. Put some time on the clock here. Just to give us a little parameters here. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, okay, so we're looking for 
an Astro who was a Cardinal, an Astro who was a Mariner, and an Astro who was a Marlin. So a lot of newer franchises here. We're looking for an Oriole who was a Cardinal, an Oriole who was a Mariner, and an Oriole who was a Marlin. And then a Cardinal who was an All-Star, a Mariner who was an All-Star, and a Marlin who was an All-Star. Oh, boy. Marlins are going to have some. Let's go. Okay. Marlins are going to have some real good ones. The All-Stars, there's yeah, some a lot of possibilities here. Maybe start with All-Stars. Okay. Well, we could go back to the Jay Buner well if we wanted to. Tina Martinez. Those 90s guys had a bunch of All-Stars. Um, some Mar- some uh, pitchers, too. Aaron Seeley. Wasn't Aaron Seeley an All-Star? Ooh. Cameron Maven. Or not for Maven, sorry. My, sorry. Mike Cameron for the Marlins. Guys Mike Cameron was an All-Star. Mm-hmm. Cameron Maven might have been an All-Star for the Marlins, actually. Could have been. If Aaron Seeley was an All-Star yeah. for Seattle, that's a good, good one. He's not going to have any traction. I'm going to write his name down here. Okay, I don't remember it, but if that's one, that's a great one. That's a... We got Aaron Seeley and Mike Cameron. Mm-hmm. Marlins and Jay be, Buter. Um, Josh Johnson, Dan mm. Ugla. Um, <laughs> those mid-tooth, they actually had some really good players on those teams. They weren't really good. but Josh Beckett? Josh Beckett, Dontrell Willis. Did, did Jeff Conine Co- or Edgar Renteria? Did Pavano make one? Pavano was, was, was a really one? good pitcher for them. He was a good pitcher for them. Yeah, Co- Conine Ricky would Nolasco? probably be pretty high. No. <laughs> did he? I don't think so. He had a, he had a good year. He had a good I year. don't remember. Pav. I think Pav, man. Pav. The Yankees don't sign, don't sign a non-all-star, do they? I think he was more of a post. He just had the postseason run with them. I don't know if he made an all-star game. Okay. Derek Lee. Cliff Floyd. Cliff Floyd. That might be it. That might be the most obscure. That's a good one. Cliff Floyd, Ugla. We got options here. We do. We'll come back to that one. Uh, Bark. Is that you? I think that's Maya. Hold on. That's, I think that's Stella's upset dog. with me, too. So mm-hmm. I think she wants to go outside. She's like, get down with that stupid immaculate grid. Pipe down. I yeah, know. Dork. Um, Cardinals um, would be like Edmonds, Roland. Um, I think cool. even like David Fariz. Because he became a postseason hero, he like got voted in the next year because everyone remembered him. Um, there's got to be some. There, there's got to be some Cardinals going back to the '80s, right? Who are Ozzy oh, Ozzy Smith? Oh, yeah, uh, he, he, Terry Pendleton won an MVP with the Cardinals. <clears throat> Terry Pendleton would be a really good one. Okay, should we do it? Pendleton sure. couldn't play in the World Series. 87. Terry Pendleton. Yeah, like Vince. Watch Coleman's it be wrong. He won an. Oh my God, dude! I'm sorry. <laughs> He won an MVP. Didn't Justin Morneau win MVP and not make the All-Star team? Yeah, but he got included in the home run derby, right? Hold on. I'm going to look this up now. Terry Pendleton. Oh, no. That was in his MVP season. Dude, he won a freaking he won a freaking MVP. Oh, you know what? What happened? He won an MVP with the Braves the year after leaving the oh. Cardinals. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just train wrecked this whole thing. It's okay. He only uh, made one All-Star game in his career the year after winning an MVP. So, all right. I just ruined this for everybody. Wait. Okay, throw, throw in your Marlin, Declan. Didn't you have a Marlin? Cliff Floyd. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Cliff Floyd's a good player. 0. 0.9. 0.9%. Let's go. Aaron Seeley, should we just keep trying these ones? It doesn't matter yeah, anymore, right? Do it now. Absolutely. 
point Aaron two. Staley. Oh my god, point two. Oh, dude, that's man. I knew that'd be good. That's better Dang than I thought. It. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. You know who we could have used, I think, for Cardinals too? Didn't uh they had two uh Andy and Alan Bennis were on that same rotation in the nineties. I think Andy Bennis was like He's good. A really good pitcher for a couple Bruce of years. Bruce Suter. We could try it. I mean, I don't want to be wrong. I mean, I don't care anymore. Andy Bennis. B-E-N-E-S. If you're right, it's going to be very low. Andy Bennis. There you go. Just kind of curious. No, I'm wrong twice. Let's see if I can just keep guessing wrong. Yeah, just keep guessing now, Phil. Yeah. For Mariners, Joey Cora. No, he never made one. Who was the Mariners we wrote down? Uh, Doesn't Pat Borders. Now we're we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Pat Borders. Doesn't Pat Borders work for the Strohs? Sure. Didn't he play with, like, everyone in the West? He played for the Orioles, too, actually. Oh. Pretty sure he works for multiple squares here. Point two. God dang it. Gosh. Nelson Cruz. That might be high. Um, Eric Bedard. Eric Bedard. That's a really good one. Oh, 10. Oh. 10%. Okay. Nine's. Strohs. Marlins and Strohs. Marlins and Strohs. Who's a, who's a Cardinals all-star that's not Pendleton or Bennis? <laughs> you guys want to take a stab? Try Bruce Suter. Can't, um, John Mabry? Bruce Suter? Yeah, try Bruce Suter. I'm going to look up John Mabry now. Point three. Point See? three, okay. People don't remember the greats like Bruce Suter. Oriole and Cardinal. Kyle Loesch didn't play for the Birds. Mm-mm. Matt Wieners would work. That might be mm. high. Yeah. That's not bad. We try. only have two guesses left for four yeah, spaces because I have completely sabotaged this. It'll be like 20%, probably 15%. Uh, I. Yep, there you go. 11. 11%. Yeah. Okay. All right. Did uh, Maven play for the Astros? Cameron that sounds Maben? right. I don't. Did he play for the Astros for a minute? Bounced around. Or am I going to get three incorrect guesses? <laughs> Come on, one time. Oh, it worked. It's right. It's right. Two percent. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I feel bad. Well, seven out of ten here. It was a tough grid. It was only average score ones? of six. Oh, Randy Johnson was the top one. Lance Berkman. Yeah, Ray yeah. Johnson. There you go. There's no, there's no. Jeff Conine. Jeff Conine. Yeah, that's the right. Crime dog. That was McGriff, actually. Conine was yeah. a different dog. He's Mr. Marlin. <sighs> All right. That's a wrap on the Scornar Twin Show here. I just buzz killed it for everyone, but there's always another day. We'll hit you with another. I'm, I'm guessing we'll hit you with another episode sometime this week as we sort of map out our offseason schedule. So thanks for hanging out with us. This is the Scornar Twin Show where we just want another World Series parade before we die.